CBS Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. till it's full with the performance enhancing audio we back baby in your ear hole it's the state of combat podcast on cbs sports with the brian campbell turkey week edition of the box pod all hell yeah all box all the time getting you fired up for life folks i know a lot of you will be hitting the road man i love thanksgiving a lot of you be hitting the road you know going over to Uncle Bob's house, grandma's, whatever. Stick this thing where the sun don't shine and listen to it. Because we're here for you. The Brian Campbell, the voice that you hear, folks. Happy holidays to you. We're going to talk the hangover of all things Wilder. We also have a killer guest that you need to hear. And that's the jackal, Carl Frampton, ahead of this weekend's return on the Plus Moving up to 130. Will he ever fight Leo in a trilogy? Does he believe he's the real Chacal? You're going to get into all that and more with my man CF. And also the return of an even bigger name to this podcast. A man whose family in these parts. Let's waste no more time and bring in Michigan's best export to box behind Floyd Mayweather. He's a New York Times bestselling author. He's wearing an orange hunting winter cap at the moment. He's also the features writer at that boutique bourgeois website called The Athletic. It's Rafe Boogs, Rafe Bartholomew. Let me lift you up. Athletic. Selling garbage. Oh, please subscribe to us. Bait and switch. Wow, Rafe. Bait and switch. What 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 was that about, Rafe? I don't know, man. I'm just just freestyling off the dome. Uh, Well, well, you know, I mean, at a certain point, we all say this, right? We all get to that level where we can't find the button on the soundboard, but we're trying to make a joke. Boxing is full of shit, man. Assume it. All right, Rafe. All right. I used to love this sport, man. now, Now it's just something I do for a payday. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right, you got to that point, too. Uh, Rafe, let's put that BS aside, all right? I want to talk to you about my favorite holiday that ever was. Shout out to Christmas. It's great. I love it. I love me some Jesus. Believe that, bro. But Thanksgiving is special, and I think it's because where I come from, Rafe, Factory Town, Naugatuck, Connecticut, high school football is the currency. We play against Ansonia every year for like 130 consecutive years. That's all that matters, Rafe, is getting your flask going on down to the game 
and cheering on the Garnet and Gray, right? Greyhounds, Greyhounds, rah, rah, rah. And that's just stage one of the three Fs, Rafe. Food, football, and family. Oh, uh, what about the fourth F? <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> well, you, you, all right, let me ask you this. <clears throat> Oscar's a freak, you know. Yeah, when I was a single man, the where I come from, the Naugatuck Valley in Connecticut, the uh, it's it's not it's not bourgeois. I'll now tell you that, that you're a married man, the fourth F is fapping. Yeah. <laughs> wow. 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 Uh, I will tell you this: there's a holiday in my area, Rafe. It's called you can call it Thanksgiving Eve if you want. It's called Valley New Year where I come from, and I want to know if this is a tradition everywhere. The night before Thanksgiving, because that's the holiday where everybody and their mother come home. Everyone travels for Thanksgiving. You go out to a BS local bar, and it's jacked to the gills with every hot girl from high school that you ever hope to talk to. And it's uh, it's it was great, Rafe. It was great. You know, so that that fourth F could come into play potentially because you just went fishing, brother. You know what I'm saying? Gone fishing. Yes, uh, Brian. Believe it or not, uh, around the country. That the the night before Thanksgiving and actually the Friday after Thanksgiving are often the two heaviest uh, bar and drinking days outside of New Year's Eve. It is it is not just a Connecticut thing. I've had legendary nights, Rafe, that did not involve uh, you know Jim Lamps and uh, yeah yeah um, they they did involve uh, Frank Cappuccino, however, <laughs> standing in the corner and saying that's a no no <laughs> fight fight ain't over yeah yeah yeah. Maybe oh he, uh, he blew his wad earlier. Nah, unacceptable. Unacceptable. I know this sounds terrible. I think he should finish. He did finish. He did finish. Believe me. Um, Rafe. Uh, um, Rafe, I want The wanna... day after Thanksgiving, Brian, actually holds the record for the most number of kegs gone through uh, during a one, like, eight-hour or seven-hour McSorley shift. Oh, really? Okay. So, uh, you know, I guess I lived in a bubble thinking this was something that was exclusive to my life. But um... My dad and Scotty Pullman went through... 17 kegs in seven hours think about that wow um so we we did this thing at my high school kegs and eggs that still goes on the next the before the big game another thing that happens at every college in america well this is high school rafe all right I, you know we, we you guys are badass we matured early uh in my parts but um so it's the best holiday ever. And even in in the year of our Lord 2019, like I'm still fired up to go to uncle's house. We're going to have a, the, the annual backyard football game, which has adults, kids, women. Yet yeah, it's insanely competitive. And, you know, there's a draft beforehand. There's a secret vote after for the MVP. We have the turkey dinner. We also have the Madden and UFC video game tournaments. Right? So it's a, it's a, it's a good time. Had by all. Okay. What is your, <clears throat> what, I guess, what was your Thanksgiving tradition and what can we expect from your first detois visit to the Turkey? Yeah. Well, being that I'm sitting here in Michigan, <clears throat> Brian, you would notice that I am not going anywhere on Thanksgiving. I'm staying my ass right here. And, uh, my, my domestic partner, my, my girlfriend, uh, my my special one, the love of my life. She uh, her sister lives here, and we're going to her in laws Thanksgiving somewhere way out in the not not far out, but in the the further extended Detroit suburbs. Um, Auburn. I don't Hills. even know where it's going to be. 
Auburn. Yeah, goes. the palace. We're we're actually. I am hoping to bring some malice to that palace. <laughs> we're going. <laughs> I, I don't know what's gonna be like. I I bought a couple of crappy pies today, and I'm ready. Champ, you're gonna need a few more of those pies. Uh, I, I'm gonna be the 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 Shannon Briggs of this Thanksgiving party. No oh, doubt. I'm having my shirt off. <laughs> I'm sorry, champ. You're probably watching. So yeah. You can't talk to him like that. Yeah. I, I'm gonna have my shirt off. I'm gonna be eating pies, and I'm going to be screaming. I'm what, whatever people, whatever people go after that turkey, I'm gonna grab it off their plate and say, <laughs> "What you eat? I eat, champ. I eat what you eat. Let's go, champ. Let's go, champ." <laughs> um, wow. Um, but you need them pies that you had the other night. You need like five or ten more of those pies. That's gonna help you get your confidence up and get your the Wilder diet. Thirty years old. You don't need to rush. Uh, Rafe, what, what, what was your jam growing? Like I'm used to Thanksgiving being like, you know, 50 people stuffed into a house and, and, you know, you got the, you got the NFL games on, you're reminiscing about the Thanksgiving game that you just got back from and Ansonia probably kicked our ass again, but yet uncle's like, no, I, I caught a touchdown pass in the 1970 game. We, you know, we beat them. And then cousin Mark's like, well, I caught a touchdown pass in the 87 game. And then, you know, cousin Rye is like, well, we got shellacked when I played left tackle in 2011. Rafe, what went on where you, where you were from? Um, so Thanksgiving was a good holiday in my house. Um, my mother would cook. She was a great cook. And a lot of our friends before, a lot of our friends from McSorley's, the bartenders, the um, the a lot of the Irish guys, the Irish crew, so to speak. Wow. Shout out to them. <laughs> shout out to Omaha, Nebraska as well. But shout out especially to the Irish crew. The so Irish crew would like come Mike over. Tyson. Yeah. They would come over to our house. Wow. And dine. And because a lot of them, you know, they 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 had family back at home in Ireland, but not in the states yet necessarily. So they would come over. Uh, a McSorley's regular, who was an artist, or actually was like the the I don't know if he was the artist or like the 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 personal historian for the artist M C Escher. Really weird. Wow. This guy Wes elderly fellow has has now passed on but but you know lived a great life he would be there every time telling great stories about old bohemian greenwich village new york uh my dad would be there and my cousins who went to boarding school the bougie ones would come down and have yeah i mean they were i I looked up to them because they were older but now that we're all grown i'm like mother you went to boarding school but anyway yo 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 Relax. Yeah, relax, yeah. bougie cousin. I mean, times times were simpler back then, and we all loved each other. Now, uh, not so much. But no, what are you gonna yeah. do? Not even Facebook friends. That's, that's why Thanksgiving used to be great. You know, I used to love this holiday. Oh <laughs> uh, no! But just to close the 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 on this turkey, uh, let's keep it going, man. Let's go. Well, I think this is what people want. Rules. Here's why it really rules. The three F or the four Fs make it rule. But um, here's why I really love it. There's no gifts, and there's actually stupid pressure. And get, you know this, there's stupid pressure in holiday gifts, Christmas gifts. When you're going to get together, oh, do I get that person? So I don't know. You know, am I? I used to get them something for years, but now I'm older. Do I still get them? So like, it's just all kind of crap. And yet Thanksgiving's like, just show up, brother, and eat as much as your fat ass wants, and like hugs and kisses, and everybody's home. And hey, how you doing? You know, like it's it's the purest form of like what well, you just nailed something. Like when we were kids. Everybody lived together, million cousins, everybody. You know, nowadays, nobody nobody hangs out, right? Maybe you'll like a Facebook photo. But Thanksgiving is that great equalizer in the family, right, that brings us together. And 
the boxing community is a family as well. Oh, well and I'm weird. thankful to have all of them in my life. Shout out to Omaha, Nebraska. Shout out to Alex Godinez. I'm going to say your name right for once. Happy Thanksgiving to the SOC crew. Happy Thanksgiving to Richard Dwyer. Wow. Yeah. Hooters, Campbell, California. Great place to catch a Thanksgiving turkey. <laughs> Right. Um, yeah. Hey, Rafe. Wow. Let's let that finish out. Uh, did you? Uh, you know what? I'm going to hold that question. You know why, Rafe? Because we want to hear from our sponsors. Yeah. You know. Shout out to our sponsor. And by the way, you know, there's still time to keep your jewels jolly with the folks at Ballsy. Just want to let you know that. But yeah, we're going to pause now for a word from our friends and sponsors. Dig it. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Deucible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If. Ready PG. And we're back. BC Rafe Bugs. It's a Turkey Day edition of the SOC Box Pod. Carl Frampton still to come, folks. Yeah, I'm so I'm so fired up. I feel like I could I could knock a sucker out. Let's stop Canelo. Yeah, stop Canelo. tell me about that, Danny. No, 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 Rafe. It's Danny. Well, it was almost Danny's night. I mean, Danny has a stick. He does, Rafe. Right? I mean, when you when you look when you think about sticks, then you realize, oh, that's Danny. So shout out to Danny Jacobs who will be fighting that. Uh, that dude, JCC Junois. Uh, Rafe, here's you the, think so? Here's the question: If they could find a, uh, maybe they'll find a Native Com- American commission. Was that racist? No, like fights are allowed to have. Remember that time Tommy Morrison had an MMA fight with the Hive on a uh, on a Native American reservation. Like people don't care, right? You can gamble. Look, that, that is the definition of venue shopping, Brian. Yeah. If you can find a place where it's legal, you can do it there Throw in boxing. The load. Throw the damn load. Um, Rafe, I wanted to ask you whether you, because look, the people care about you. Did you watch Wilder Ortiz 2? I know you jacked from the jackpot pod. Uh, you know, I know what happened there. I know I filled that time. I'll never fuck. I won't jack. I'll be there I can't breathe. Now that you can breathe, Rafe, what are your thoughts on Deontay sending that man to hell for a second time? I mean, it was... I thought Luis Ortiz was brilliant. I thought he fought great, fantastic. Like, the, all of the credit you heaped on Sergei Kovalev after his piss-poor effort against Canelo. Oh, how dare you. That's what I'm heaping on Luis Ortiz against Deontay Wilder. And to Deontay Wilder's credit, it doesn't effing matter because if he hits you, it's lights out. I mean, even I, I, I know that Tyson Fury got up from that shot in the 12th round of their fight. 
That doesn't mean that he. I, I, if I were Tyson Fury, I wouldn't be counting on that ability to recover from clean shots from Deontay Wilder in their next fight. You know, you still don't want to get hit by that. You don't want to be down to the count of nine and a half and waiting for Jack Reese to give you the benefit of the doubt because if it was Harvey Doc, if it was Kenny Bayless, your ass is getting counted out. Um, if it was Russell Mora, he might punch you in the in the nard. Right, he'd be he he would be like rubbing his balls on your forehead at the count of two. Um, so yeah, that that that's the thing. It doesn't matter. And watching Deontay Wilder is, in a way, it breaks my boxing brain because I have you know you watch the sport. You get used to patterns. You see, this is what good fighters normally do. This Usually, if you're going to win a fight, you're going to win some rounds along the way. I don't think I've seen Deont- Deontay Wilder win a round in the la- except for the one round he fought against Boobs Brazil. I don't think I've seen him win a round in two years, except for the rounds where he knocked people down or out. Are you comparing him to that dude in high school who wasn't good-looking, wasn't athletic, but was rich and had like a sports car at like 16 and, and got laid because of it. And you're like, man, that guy don't like that guy's, that guy's a dick like that. I guess you can compare that in the modern day to journalists who have a really good agent and get TV opportunities. I don't know what you're talking about there, Brian, but with regards to Wilder there. So I'm actually trying to resist that impulse because yes, there is a, a side of me that wants to be like, this ain't fair. Like you, you are, you weren't good for six rounds. And then you just knocked the guy out with one punch. That it, it shouldn't work that way. But you know what? And you not, it doesn't. And you ain't. Yeah. Simple as that. Simple as that, Brian, it doesn't matter because the power is there. He sets up the shot when he, he finds it. Eventually it doesn't matter if he misses it a hundred times before he finds it. He only needs a one. It's crazy, but I, I, it's it's also astounding, amazing. It's it's one of a kind. It's unique in the sport right now. Um, and I've never, I, I I don't go way back. You know, I I started watching around the time of Trinidad Vargas. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> back when you had uh, the lumberjack, yeah, with the, with way back when I had the red and black, Brian. Uh, but I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. Uh, someone who could give away that many rounds and basically not land a punch and then win the fight with one shot. And he can, and he's done it and he keeps doing it. And it's at the point where, look, I think that if, if Deontay Wilder, and I think he deserves like, so we criticize his resume, I think fairly up until 2018, because he didn't like, you look at it, Berman Stavern, who won the fight, won his belt off a very, very old Chris Ariola, and then lost it immediately in a black pill fight to, to Deontay Wilder. <laughs> and then when he came back, weighed 400 pounds and got sent to hell. That's That was his best win before then. I mean, oh, and after, of course, former Philippine Basketball Association great Kelvin Price, that was a huge win for Deontay Wilder. Is that true? Um, Kelvin Price? Yeah. 6'7 guy. He played hoop. Got sent to hell by Wild. Yeah, played 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 hoop. Was it was a professional basketball really? player before he got into basketball. We got into boxing ball. ball. Yeah. Where did he play college? I can't remember, man. I just I I mean, I was introduced to him when he was playing for the Pure Pure Foods Funky Funky Chunky Giants. <laughs> that's a, that's so stupid. Right? That's like ridiculous. What what, what are some other uh, Filipino sponsor names? Oh, you, well, I mean, there's the San Miguel Beer Men are famous, you know, the um 
the uh, Moralco bolts are uh, are sponsored by a uh, electric monopoly company, basically. Um, the Enlex Road Warriors, famous ones in the past. The Shell Azadrin Bug Busters, uh, Pure Foods, the the Corn Beef Kings. They kept recycling names depending on whatever meat product they were selling. So the Tender Juicy Hot Dogs, the Burger King Whoppers, uh, the Pure Foods Chunky Giants, Rafe, which I mentioned stupid. previously. Rafe, the, your people are stupid, Rafe. That's stupid. You, you... They're selling. Th- they're making. They're getting that money. Player. They're selling. They're marketing. That's marketing, baby. Right, That's what I'm, it's all about. I'm trying to get anyway. my, my Wi-Fi to <clears throat> my internet to load faster. So Kelvin Price, they say for six eighty stood right. Uh, something about that, yeah. All right, anyway, so he, he got sent to hell by DeAndre no, Wilder. Why, basically, Brian? What I we're got saying the info. is, people care about this rave. But yeah, I'm sure they do. So I'm sure slow. they do. Brian, before uh, 2018, before he fought Luis Ortiz, Deontay Wilder hadn't fought anyone. Now, he tried to fight Alexander Povetkin, but that fell through. And it was not Wilder's fault. Um, got a case since 2018, Ortiz, Fury, Brazil. I don't, I'm not high on Brazil, but whatever. It's a name. And then Ortiz again. Possibly Fury, maybe Ruiz next. I mean, that's you. It's getting hard. He the, the the what was on the resume is dog crap. What is on the resume from here on out? If he sticks to that kind of level of competition, you got to give him credit for that. And and what's crazy about it is, I could see him continuing to lose rounds against all these guys and win fights. That's what's it's crazy and it's a little scary. Yo, Rafe, um, you're right on everything you said, and you were right to dab up thank Luis you, man. Ortiz. At least somebody got the score. Hey, I don't know Luis Ortiz personally, but brother, I thank you for that. Shout- thank you, shout out. Thank you for that effort. But I'm a little bit more focused on the fact that Kelvin Price, former Wilder uh, KO1 victim, played college hoops. So, Rafe, it's telling me here if this is the same guy on on Basketball Reference. He played two years for Louisiana in the Sun Belt Conference in '95 and '96. The hell's Louisiana? I don't know what Louisiana. I mean, it's a it's a state. University uh, of Louisiana. What the hell's that? I've heard not not Louisiana Lafayette. I don't know. Then he I I can't click on it. It will be here another five minutes. Then he played in '98 and '99 with UNC Charlotte Conference USA, and he actually averaged double figures. Rafe was it? Didn't they? Weren't they good that year? If I I mean, they might. They were always one of those Street and Smiths teams. That would show up in the yeah in the mid major in you know somewhere as like a twelve seed maybe win a win a game or two that might have been back he had in twenty three wins in ninety nine his senior year when he averaged twelve a game um, they went to the tournament with that kind of record probably I I think I remember them um, didn't they up didn't they take UNC to overtime in the tournament that that I cannot I can't recall that Brian I'm sorry didn't they have like a couple NBA guys didn't they have, Did they have Galen Young on that squad. No, didn't he play at USC or is that the Galen Center? No, you're thinking that's the Galen Center. Galen Hall. All right, this went down. This went down. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Galen Young, yeah. So Galen Young played with oh. Kelvin Price. So did Diego Guevara. That's the dude who hit the three to force OT against UNC in the 98 tournament as a freshman. You know what I'm talking about here? Uh, I actually, I, I mean, I know Galen Young. I don't remember Guevara. You want to talk threes, you got to talk to me about my man Ali Farouk Manesh. Yeah, who did he play for? He that that team that beat Kansas. Oh my 
my internet's the worst. For some reason, when I Skype with you, my internet just loses its soul, so it's impossible. You need better internet, champ. So ninety-eight, I think they had. I can't look it up anymore. Didn't they have that? Ninety-eight, that, time to set it straight, Brian. That point guard Sean Cools, and then they had that. They had a forward who ended up playing in the NBA. It wasn't like Demarco something. I'm gonna just go ahead and agree with you all here. Right, let's get off of that. Let's get the hell off of that. Um, I like what you're saying on all of this. Thank you, Deontay Wilder, for securing the Fury rematch because Rafe, I mean, it's freaking huge. It's freaking huge. And you look at the year that Deontay. Are you serious, Brian? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Be that. Be well, that boxing cynic. Tell me. Tell me why. That, I am. I am going to be. A, I am cynical. Why should? Why should anyone who follows boxing not be cynical, Brian? And then, Brian. Well, you have to be delusional to stay with the sport. You know that. So, uh, you got to be something, man. You got to. You got to be really depressed. Um, Brian, is Deontay? Do you actually believe that it's a? I I think it's promising that Wilder and Fury both are talking openly about it. Clearly, there is some paper on them. Bob Arum is talking about it. You know who ain't talking about it? Fox. Right. That kind of worries see me. The- Raphael story yesterday that says it's like basically a done deal. <clears throat> Aram confirmed that it's basically a done deal. Uh, ESPN Fox, February 22nd. I didn't read that. No, but uh, I, it doesn't surprise me that, you know, the, the, the company that's pushing for this is pushing that narrative. That's fair. It's a fair, it's a fair point, but you got to like ESPN seems way more into this idea than Fox does right now, which I don't know what that means. I just don't know what it means. And, you are like I. I would also. I would just be surprised if they don't wait for the results of this Ruiz Joshua fight. Why wouldn't they? Isn't that the smart thing to do, Brian? Yeah, I think there's contracts that. So this fight was announced early for a reason, Rafe. Obviously, we don't believe in fucking contracts, wow, wow. Brian. Who said that? that? Was uh that was Bobby? That was Uncle? That was Grandpa? Wow. Um, here's the deal on this, Rafe. Wow. Can I just pause you and finish this UNC Charlotte 1998 conversation? So they had <laughs> they had uh, they had Demarco Johnson who played the NBA. He averaged 21 a game that year. They had the Sean NBA? Colson, the six foot guard who also made it to the NBA for a cup of coffee. Remember that dude? They did have Kelvin Price, so he's the center. Galen Young's the forward. Diego Guevara is the freshman guard. Wow, Rafe. I didn't know Galen Kelvin Young Price did that. was nice, man. Nice. Like, be- amazing, like, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, playmaker, could do a little bit of everything. Yeah, you're right. You're Smart right. as balls. I, that, that guy. And, and he played in 2007 in the Philippines with a Simon Phoenix mohawk. Oh, Died like neon. It was fantastic. All right. I have to believe in my heart of hearts that there's a reason why Bob and Uncle Al announced Fury Wilder 2 so far in advance. Like, before the freaking... Like, we have to be honest. Like, Wilder taking this fight against Ortiz was just, like, obscenely dangerous at the time they did it. So was it to shut out and freeze Anthony Joshua? Was that the the thought process? But that wouldn't make sense either... Because what if we're well? If Ruiz wins the rematch, he brings all the belts back to PBC anyway. But do you think it's any kind of overspill from those negotiations that Lou DeBella set up for Wilder with the Zone that didn't turn out well? That the reports coming in that you know John Skipper shot his shot and missed. Was there any he element? Threw John, Skipper threw his load, man. <laughs> was there any element of Bob and Al saying, like, almost like enemy of my enemy, my friend type deal, and going, look, we don't want the zone in this ish. 
We are with networks who can do pay-per-view. Let's team up together. Let's sign the deal now so that not basically so that neither of us screw each other over by going to fight Joshua in the interim and then we can say F you Eddie Hearn. Is there any part of that in your mind in the in the conspiracy? I think that that's a, a very smart take and I believe that that probably has some of the the that that explains some of the strategy here because yes, if there is one thing that probably top rank and PBC and ESPN and Fox can all agree on is that they would like to get DAZN to F out the paint because DAZN is the one they're throwing around fake Russian money. They are the ones kind of inflating even, I mean, first it was Al inflating salaries. Oh, look, by the way, great for fighters, get that money player. But first it was Heyman. Now, the zone comes in and they're just throwing around crazy money. Like Tevin Farmer, you want these millions? And and Tevin Farmer's out here calling out Floyd on Twitter. Like, stop. Please. Slow your roll. Chill. Yeah. Hold um. On. Let's, you let's know. Bring in anyway. Stop um, that crap. Stop it. Stop it. Well, yeah. Do what you want to do. Um. I just ain't gonna watch your fights. Um. Do you think he'll be watching his fights with that other eye? No, 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 no. See, no, I see. No, I stopped myself no, from doing no, that. No, no, you went hey, there, hey, Brian. Hey, 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 hey. Let's 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 tone it down, conduct ourselves with a little bit of dignity, a little bit of respect. It is the day before Thanksgiving, and we're not drunk yet. Brian, um does, anyway, I think that DAZone is a big rival because of the streaming platform, the 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 dumb death of pay-per-view stuff. They just they are if 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 ESPN, Fox, any they still have a lot of interest in the television model for as long as it lasts, and it isn't going to go anywhere. They'll, they'll still be able to make good money off of that for a long time, and they're going to protect it. So yes, I do think you're right that um, boxing out the zone was a part of it is a part of why this seems to be happening. But at the same time, when they announced that, I don't think PBC expected necessarily Andy Ruiz to go in there and win some titles. And now well, be in a position to hold some time. What? what? What is the timeline on when the they got... announced it the week the during fight week You're the right. day the Friday the day of the weigh in of Anthony Joshua right. versus Andy Ruiz the, Jr. That confirms to me it was to freeze out AJ a hundred percent. Then they got lucky on the PBC side that the PBC guy the the lamb the 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 well fed lamb and Andy Ruiz flipped the division upside down. So yeah, this is why they did it, Rafe. But you interrupted my optimistic excitement with a cynical edge of no this won't be a giant ass event and here yeah i don't think so like okay have has anybody has any by the way how come they haven't leaked giant numbers for this pay-per-view yet rafe how many pay-per-view buys can fury wilder 2 do espn fox joint i need that i need to intercept intersect you and get right to the heart of it right now i will set the the over under at one million i think it's one and a half rafe see one million does that pay both of them forty million or whatever the hell they think know. they're going to make off of that? You I don't think it does. It didn't. Colleague. That's not what they used to pay Manny and and Marquez when they were doing like one point two. Yeah, but there's more money these days. There's more oligarchs. I don't got that. That's all shit. Well, we yeah we do. Um, Rafe, I think that one point five is actually realistic because we've never Rafe. Like, do you remember when Showtime and HBO were the only homes of pay-per-view and we're like, man, if only boxing could get back in our living room. It's in your freaking living room, even in the cord-cutting era. In Fox has the Super Bowl. You're telling me that build to the Super Bowl the month before, having Wilder everywhere? So you think of a Super Bowl three weeks before it, the Super Bowl this year, next year 
is February 2nd. If this fight stays on track for February 22nd, you think uh, uh, some advertising, and Fox does have the Super Bowl, so that would be amazing if they advertise the this fight during that. Playoffs. You think that three weeks later, people are going to remember to buy that fight necessarily? Well, it's not about the remember part. It's about um, getting their attention. I mean, Rafe, could you ever have more attention than the freaking Super Bowl in terms of uh, the Bills? It would be great if it was the week after the Super Bowl or right after okay, the Super Bowl. I mean, you're, you're quibbling here. I mean, a couple of weeks away, it's still like, oh, crap. I've heard of that while they're going, oh, my God, look at this Fury. Oh, yeah. Oh, I kind of remember that first fight. People talk, I got to see. I got to see it now. And then, look, we've also never seen the ESPN pay-per-view machine at work, right? They didn't go OT for freaking con uh, bud right there was no like let's shove this down your throat they did not go they did not promote that od no so i'm just saying this will be the most effort i i'm gonna guess ever put into promoting a fight could you ask for anything more than wilder's last three fights including the first fury fight from the idea of showing highlights to explain who he is and then, meanwhile, you've got Fury, who you can show the WWE crap. You can, you know, like, he's he's going in the right direction. You can do the mental health thing all over again. Rafe, it's white versus black. I mean, it really feels like oh, this oh, is... Oh, you really... Wow, you're, you're pumped about that, huh? I'm not I see, pumped. I see, I see, I see what you're all about. I'm just saying it's kind of the perfect storm to fool the mainstream. Boxing's all about two things, right? Sticking it to the hardcore so that they'll keep paying the bill to keep the sport active and working like hell to get to a point where you can fool casual and stupid mainstream buyers, right? I That's thought the it whole was game. about hitting and not getting hit. That's the whole damn game. I think this fight gets them that. It couldn't have worked out better. Had this rematch happened in May, it wouldn't have been as big. Now I think it could be massive, Rafe. Look at what Fox was able to do in selling these fights that weren't pay-per-view fights, like Mikey Spence, right? Like a hardcore matchup, not a pay-per-view fight. It overachieved. I mean, they're they're able to do something. There's a difference, Brian, between these are overachieving at like 300,000 buys, by the way, which are never confirmed. They're just leaked immediately after, and then no one ever comes back to them. But is it easier to sell a 6'7 and 6'9 guy who can both talk and one has killing power compared to Mikey and Errol? Like, are you kidding me, man? This thing could do... I think I'm going to guess 1.5, but I think it's one of those fights that I don't, I'm not going to put a ceiling on it. I don't, I'm not saying it's one of those. Yeah, I'll put, I, I will give you the over under at 1 million. All right. All right. I'll take that bet. I'll take it. I'll take it, Rafe. All right. You're going to find out who you're not and who you ain't. And um, I'm going to be in your soul. When you're in a ring with a guy for 12 rounds, you know what's in his soul. I know what's in your soul, Rafe, and it's hate for this sport that you love, you dirt hole. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to ask you about Leo or any of the other crap. We've already covered all that ish. Um, Andrew Concio, who was on this podcast last week, and is a great story, Rafe. We love the guy. I'm so late to the party. You were like, no, you got to love this guy. I had him on. He was great. And then he gets sent to hell by Rene Alvarado right after coming out public and being like, hey, Golden Boy, like, what are you doing with me? Why am I in a casino in Indio again? Because it's the closest casino to your goddamn hometown. And after that fight ended, they said goodbye. We'll just cut your ass. You you think you're better off somewhere else? I think you're better off alone. Go. Your thoughts. Okay. Well, 
It's a bad loss, first of all, right? It's a bad loss. Well, yeah, that's, you already knocked so the guy here, out. I, I, I hate to, I hate, I hate to do this, but I, I think I'm gonna turn heel a little bit what? on Andrew Cancio here because Rafe, the he man supplied gas to your damn home for years. He's just checking lines. <laughs> so was Oscar. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was, he, he check him out real good. <laughs> I smell something here. Let me smell a little closer. Um, Fish. Scale, hit me up in the low, I'm still in a deep. Um, look, Andrew Cancio was a great story, is a great story if he continues to fight, if he chooses to, but that that he was never a blue chip prospect in the sport. His talent, his high end, his elite talent was never really proven, right? He beat Alberto Machado twice, who was a guy who got who got that belt by beating Jezreel Corrales, who beat Takashi Uchiyama, who was a really good fighter at the end of his career. It's just the lineage of that title is a little bit iffy. And Machado was not clearly having trouble making weight at the end of his title run. Might also just not be that good, right? We don't. He hasn't fought since. We don't. We we didn't have a huge body of work on him either. He was a powerful guy, but a little bit awkward. Didn't really look the part of an elite fighter either. Just a guy who happened into a belt. Cancio came in, took advantage of that. Great for him. Great story. Proved that he at least has Machado's number at 130 by sending him to hell again. But that doesn't make him a world beater. That doesn't make him a Miguel Burchelt. That doesn't make him a Javante Davis. Because even though David Javante Davis hadn't didn't really have a whole lot of good wins at 130. He had that blue chip talent. He had that blue chip amateur career. He had st- you knew even even though I do complain about. Some of the opponents, Javante Davis, Gervonta Davis, has fought over the years. Um, I still don't. I still believe that the talent is there, and and the the heart of my complaints and my frustration is that I want to see it proven at the high, at a higher level. Uh, I think he's ready for that. Um, with Cancio, he's a guy who you know who, who lost to Jojo Diaz pretty clearly back in the day, and you root for him, but he didn't necessarily prove that he was a a really, really great fighter in the sport of boxing. And in his first defense against somebody other than Alberto Machado just got his ass handed to him. You know, he got to, he got to prove that in the ring. So you're saying That's Oscar what the sport right. is about. You're saying Oscar he lost, was right all along. He, he lost to a guy that he, that, that he knocked out years ago. Who's on a good run. So you're saying Oscar not showing up. He to lost like the press look, conference is right. Complaining. Yeah. Look, Oscar, look, Oscar's another story. This, the whole, the, this, the Cancio story gets mixed up with the Golden Boy story because they are intertwined. They should be mixed up. But the problems that Golden Boy is going through organizationally, that Oscar may be going through personally, I don't want to. It, it's it, a lot of that. A lot of the way that we have covered it, it's because we all know that we, we we're sharks, baby. We can smell blood, and there's blood in the water over there at Golden Boy. People are complaining. Canelo is mad. Ryan Garcia is mad. They're all talking out of school. Girls are getting pregnant. Of course, that always, always, nonstop. I mean, Jalisco is just, just, just popping out babies like pandasals. I don't agree um, with the part about me being horny all hours of the day. I was horny. Two hours in the day, yes. Two hours in the day, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Steve. Um, but 
anyway, so Golden Boy has his problems, and it probably did not help with an, a, Andrew Conceal's cause. But to have his first, so so all right, you win the belt in an upset, great for you. They exercise a mandatory rematch clause. What is what what is what does he want from that? He wants something better. Like he can't. You don't. That's that's just contracts. You got to deal with that. He, I'm dropping shit over here. Anyway, um, he does deal with that. He wins. He beats Machado again. Great. Your first defense is a guy you knocked out before who has eight losses. That sounds like a pretty good deal. They're not trying to send you to hell right away. They're not trying to cash you out. You cast yourself out, Chief. And wow, wow, this is like this is like this guy. I told you, I'm going heel, man. The everyman of boxing, and you're just dropping low, like just dropping bombs on him. I'm throwing loads at him right now. Um, Don't Hiroshima him. And I don't know. Oh, look, look. Um, but it's it's it it proves out in the ring. You either win or you lose. He lost that fight. He got beat bad. And I don't know what was wrong. He said he had a good camp. He said he felt good before the fight, and it just wasn't there. That happens in boxing. And it's unfortunate that it happens to, like, this an everyman type who doesn't, you know, who, who held on to his job because he didn't trust his promoter probably, didn't trust the sport to take care of him. was like, look, I know I got a belt, and I'll get a couple of six-figure purses out of this, but I ain't, I'm not giving up my benefits because I know I'm going to need them down the line. Uh, yeah. Turns out he was right. Well, um, industry rule number the complaints 4080, about- Rafe. Why should why should Golden Boy? I know the people are like, oh, Golden Boy should have gotten all the way behind him. Well, why would you get all the way behind a fighter who you probably know is gonna lose against better competition? You think Oscar's ever gotten behind a fighter? Oh my God! Oh, my. I mean, Sinese Estrada, maybe. Oh, oh stop! Oh. Why do I have to edit out every part of the show? Um, you did that, Brian. Yeah, you did yeah. that. Um, you. That was all. All right. You. Where does, um, all right let, let, let me ask you, since you're so. And vocal. also, what, what was he thinking? Who does the man like? Right? Yeah. Okay, Canelo can talk trash about Oscar and Golden Boy. Ryan Garcia can talk trash about Oscar and Golden Boy too because he's famous on his own and he's got Canelo backing him. That's really why, like, Golden Boy is and has been a one-fighter company, right? Not in terms of who's good. Virgil Ortiz is a great young fighter. Ryan Garcia is an exciting young talent, but Rojo it's a Canelo Diaz. company. He pays the bills there. Yeah. And, that's, and, and, and if you're not Canelo... Shut the f up because wow. it ain't like because because you, you get all Kenny Porter on this guy. Floyd, there's a long way from the lip to the cup. I'm sure he don't understand what that means. I'm sure Andrew, you don't understand. It was poor the- judgment. It was poor judgment popping off in the media. Yo, there's a lot. There's a lot of ways to get your message out. You don't got to go on record. You know, you, there's a million thirsty ass reporters out here who will just print anything you tell them on they'll, background they'll without any uh, without without any kind of any kind of responsibility integrity they'll, they don't care they'll they won't dip it back in the sauce. It. they'll just put it out there you could have put it all on background just said oh yeah there are rumors blah 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 but no you you went out and put your name behind it which i respect on a man to man level but yo this is boxing you ain't dealing with men you're dealing with snakes man you cannot do that and he paid for it but in the end he he wanted out a golden boy, and he's out a golden boy. So hopefully someone else picks him up and gives him a chance. All right, I got to ask you an important question then, since you're so vocal about every man hero, Andrew Concio. Uh What should he do next? And I'm not asking you if you think he should finish. I'm asking you, uh, does he go seek another promoter? Does he go back to work full time at at the Southern California Gas Company? I mean, what what do you do? What do you do with this? You got a you got a you got a little ripple of name recognition, a former champion. What do you do? 
Yeah, well, I think that obviously as a former champion now, he does still have a lot of value in the sport. And in some ways, Golden Boy did him a favor, right? He was unhappy there. They probably, because they, I think there's also some of it is they viewed him as an opponent, right? He was a guy that they fed to Jojo Diaz earlier. He was a guy that they thought was just going to get beat by Alberto Machado. You know, so they probably, I think some uh, an error Golden Boy probably made was thinking of him as not, uh, just never really taking him seriously even after he won those belts and not really investing in him. And it, it, I don't know. You can criticize that from both sides. You could say they could have done more with him. You could also say, well, we then we gave him a fight against a guy with eight losses and he got stopped in seven rounds and was never competitive. Um, so I don't know who's wrong in that situation. Um, both both parties probably. Um, but Andrew Cancillo has a great story. He has a fan base now. People in boxing are pulling for him because they like to crap on Golden Boy and because he is a great story, a really good person, and a good fighter. And he comes to fight. He makes even, – even though he got beat bad against Alvarado, that was a fun-ass fight, right? I mean he, he landed some good shots. Alvarado had a good-ass beard, and Alvarado ended up just winning. But Cancillo still comes to fight. He's, he's a fun fighter. Uh, why not just go walk, march right across the street to top rank? Talk yeah, to Al, so not look, talk, talk to well, Bob. To be honest um, with you, you got Frampton moving up to 30 this weekend. Oscar Valdez Herring, moving Burchelt. up to 30 this weekend. Uh, Leo just moved up to 30. I know that's not ESPN side, but Burchelt, I mean, you, if you want to be an opponent, you, there's business to do. So. And they have and they have the best, uh, I believe, storytelling wing going, right? I mean, you can get Kriegel in there oh, to really soul, yeah. blow out your personal story yeah, in a way that... Do you have that... a father, Concio? Because Kriegel <laughs> will find him for you. Look, he is a dad. Yeah, um, uh, right. He also has Coach Haas, the father figure oh, to God, everyone. Coach Haas. Uh, all right, that's it. We can't linger on this. Let's move on down the line. Morris Bradis was forced to give up his uh, cruiserweight title. Who did he avoid fighting? He didn't want to fight somebody. Well, he didn't want to have to do a rematch, a mandatory rematch with Glowaski because, I mean, he probably owes Glowaski a rematch. That was not a, a fair. It was a fun fight. It was not a fair fight. It was a, just a disaster. It was, as that? as the the British announcer was saying, it was like, what is happening? What who is happening here? Bro, who was the ref on that night? Oh, you know who it was? It was uh, it was uh, uh, the the husband of an adolescent bird. Oh yeah, yeah, Robert. Yeah, that's a it's a rough night. Wow. Yeah, was he didn't he, he missed the bell? He didn't yeah. hear it. All right. Uh, so yeah. Well, so if we get Dortico's brightest, is that what he's we're going gonna... through with that? That's an awesome fight. Uh, look, I look. It, why it. should we ever be mad at a fighter for telling a sanctioning body, you know, take your belt, roll it up, you know, roll it up and stuff it up your hole. Wow. All right. Um, hey, Rafe, did you see this documentary that's been popping a lot of people from DAZN? What's it called? Like One Night in Paris or something? It's, is that like, is that a document? Are we calling that a documentary, Brian? Uh, I'm going to call it an entertaining piece of business. Did you see this thing? It recaps uh, Ruiz's upset of Joshua. I saw the first 10 minutes. I'm going to watch it. I just haven't seen it all yet. I don't know. Like, it, it's. I'm going to give his own credit, Rafe. We see a okay. lot. Okay, tell me why these, it's good. We see a lot of these, you know, talking head documentary things. Here's why it's good. When you start watching it, you're like, oh, Michael Strahan's a big part of this. And you start getting that initial boxing hardcore, like, I don't need celebrity. I don't need Maverick Carter and, and, uh, yeah. and uh, DJ Khaled. Like, DJ you're just Khaled. rolling out celebrities to, to read canned lines yeah, at me. I don't, I don't need, need that. that. Ish. Then you start watching it and you quickly realize something. Mike Tyson stole 
the freaking show on this documentary. He had to be high. He was freaking hilarious. It's great. There's a look like Steve Jobs in that black turtleneck. Great. <laughs> I guess he's on the uh, the cop kick there with the style. Yeah, that's a Steve Jobs look. All right, we're not giving we're not giving the great cop credit for that. Um, I, I no blazer. There was no dude, blazer. Tyson's it was all. Hilarious. It was there's just a, turtleneck. It was a really dirty like uh, uh, load watch moment. It's great. It's entertaining. It doesn't insult you. There's a couple of journalistic issues you can take with it. Like they've got Michael Griffin on there with the referee, which is great, but then they don't actually have him speaking about why the end, the ending of the fight yet. They've got people going, what is the ref thinking? It's like, well, you got the ref talk to the damn ref. And then there's no AJ, which it hurts the overall, like there's a little bit of Ruiz in there, but that's weird. Like you, you're paying this man millions of dollars. I know. You can't, if anyone should have access to him, it's the network, right? But like Eddie Hearn's good in it. There's like little sprinklings of like a Dan Rayfield and other people, Bach and Barack associated with boxing. But um, it's it's actually really well done from the music to the the way they relive the fight. I, I guess journalistically, like absolutely no mention of AJ even potentially not being the right mindset coming in. In fact, they paint the picture in the first half of the film that he was this absolute stud who walked in with full confidence. And it's like, like, I don't expect them to be like, well, there were reports that he may have gotten knocked out in sparring, but you got to address to well, some degree. Like, why not? Even, even that, why? That's all part of this great yeah, narrative. Right. That's I mean, all. I mean, they, you're selling that. that none hurt. of that hurts in selling this next, this rematch. It's, it's, that's all of that intrigue about whatever had gone awry with AJ and with his dad screaming at Eddie Hearn after the fight. I mean, that's, that's good intrigue. Those to are not, good narratives yeah, to, to sell. To not even have that in, I, I felt felt was bad. Also, look, I mean, it can get tiresome, the whole, like, who is this fat guy that no one's ever heard of? And it's like, well, if you're in, I mean, like, look, if you're in boxing, of course you've heard of Andy Ruiz. Like, yeah, I a, saw him make Tor Hamer quit in Macau, yeah, yeah, man. You did, yeah, you did. So um, outside of that, though, Rafe, with that said, it's actually one of the most well done. And it's a little bit different than the traditional copy and paste way of doing this. Music's really good. There's hilarious moments. There's this well-placed sound bites and even guys like Michael Strahan kind of delivered. So uh, I, I do encourage people to go check it out. It was very well done. Well, that will, that's a service that I now have, Brian. Thank um, you. Speaking of DAZN, uh, that platform that Eddie Hearn started, uh, remember when Dwyer credited Eddie Hearn was starting DAZN? Um, Mikey, Garcia to the zone on a potential four fight deal that starts with Jesse Vargas at welterweight Rafe. Uh, okay. Here's the deal on the surface. Mikey versus Vargas. Doesn't move me. I do think it's one of those fights that gets more interesting. The closer you get, because the one thing about Jesse Vargas is he's evolved into this sort of like body punching brawler. So it would be interesting to watch, but what? Stop. If... No, no, yeah, no. Are no, you, no, go, are you no. going I where I think you're going? Finish I have a payoff. What if it leads to Mikey and Josh Taylor at one point? Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Somebody yes. got the score right. Yes. That's what that was. Yes. 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 Um, yes. yes. I'm like, mm. Mm. like, like in Eddie Murphy is. Raw when he's doing the, the sound that, that, that the girl makes. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. He didn't. He swallowed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 That is a fight that I would be pumped for and look mikey garcia say what you will he's a really really he's, i still think he's a great fighter i wish he would had fought more than once this year i wish i wish that he had stuck around at 140 and, and i don't know but whatever it's done what's done is done 
but he's also a very smart businessman in terms of how he runs his career. And he probably looked always like, all right, I kind of want to stick around 140, 147. You know where it doesn't really make sense for me to to do that because I'm going to keep getting beat? <laughs> it's over here with the PBC welterweights. Yeah. Where true. I wouldn't necessarily be favored against some of these guys. I they, mean, look, they're just could, too big. They're not, Mikey's as good as boxing at a lot of them, but it just it's just too big a, a, a leap, I believe. On the surface, it'd be great if he fought Danny Garcia, Sean Porter, Keith Thurman. Manny those Pacquiao. would be good. Those would be. All, I'd be. I'd be equally pumped for those. I'm not fights, sure he wins any of those. It's weird. Yeah, like he is better in that 35 to 40 bubble. So while. But if he's looking for a a a welterweight with a name he can beat, Jesse Vargas is your man. I mean, well, yeah, dude. Wouldn't you just freaking love Mikey Garcia against Gervonta? Like, wouldn't you just love the crap out of that? At yeah, 35? and Gervonta talking about going up to 140 to fight Josh Taylor too. Wow, really? He did. He tweeted that after after the Taylor yeah, fight. He's like, I'll beat say, Josh but... Taylor at 140, and yeah. Taylor dropped like 15 crazy Scottish words on him, <laughs> like, "You scouser, <laughs> you bum, you shit house, you." Uh, I'm sorry, that's that's more Irish yeah, than Scottish, but yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, he he gave him some shout outs from the Scottish crew. That's interesting. Um, also in the news cycle, Rafe, we got to pause in in Wasteman and just be really happy. This is a great story. Um, we say a lot when fighters suffer brain injuries or they die like that we just forget about them and so i think sometimes it's psychological it's like we don't want to reveal to ourselves just how absurd this sport and dangerous this sport is also like you don't actually know any of these people it's very hard to feel uh true empathy but like you know people are like well no one's tweeting about Pritchard cologne anymore and and, like these guys gave us their their lives for entertainment it's all that is true but Magomed Abdusalamov, who I think both of us were in the building that night against Mike Perez, right? And that was one you of were, the... You were celebrating with Lampley on the on the, on the the grave. Damn basically. right. Um, no, well, not that. But, um, you know, that was an awful story. And to see now, and I have to give credit here. There's a pro- OTL producer at ESPN named Willie Weinbaum. Willie Weinbaum? Willie Weinbaum, who's an aggressive dude and goes after it. And I used to work at ESPN, obviously. And I'd, I'd, I remember him chasing this story from the beginning. And he's been the guy who all along was visiting with the family in Greenwich and giving updates. And, and I think for a while people didn't really care updates through the lawsuit and they ended up winning this giant lawsuit. But now they're considering it a miracle that Abdus Salamov, who's in a wheelchair still can talk and to his family and comprehend and respond and be a dad to his daughters. And it's in the, his wife who's a saint has, you know, never, you know, was by him from the whole time when they said, he, he would almost, you know, he, he wouldn't really have much, much movement or, or wouldn't be able to speak and all this. And to see him come full circle and actually now be able to have a life and be a dad, it's how, I mean, dude, how do you not just like stand and applaud and cry? I mean, like, that's great. And I know that they had to win that crazy lawsuit to have the money to get this type of treatment that helped him. But man, he's a fighter and he fought through a diagnosis that that was was grim. Yeah, and I think I mean they they won that the 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 settlement that they got was the largest settlement of that kind that the state of New York has ever get, get given out, like which I think is appropriate. Yeah, um, and I'm glad they got it. And from what I read about the case, the state of New York did not uh, put up a big fight. I mean, it was you know they had to go through the proper channels. They had to make they had to you know like you have to sue the state for that to for, for to, to in order to to get the money out of them, but. It's not like they're like, oh, yeah, we're fighting you every inch of the way. We're going to bury you in a civil action type stuff. No, they the state kind of stepped up and 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 
tried to make things as right as possible. And, 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 and the fact that it is leading or helping Abdul Salamov really improve to that degree is, it's just, a, it is a great story. Uh, and you just got to be very happy for, yeah. for his family and him. I do encourage people to go to the story on ESPN.com. There's a picture of him with his family. I mean, three beautiful daughters and, I mean, to read the quotes in there of how many times he's actually watched that fight and he gives, you know, criticism to himself. Like he critiques his own inability to win that fight and what led to the injury. I mean, it's it's just it's wild, Rafe. It could have been so different. So uh, it's crazy. I, I really want to shout out Magomed for fighting. And, and what if what if his what if his first words were Epstein didn't kill himself? Wow, that would have been fantastic. Wow. Wow, Rafe. I thought you were going to say Trout did beat Canelo. I've been like, yeah, <laughs> Danny has a stick. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, Rafe, you want to talk to Carl Frampton? It's time. I think it's time. You ready? You good? I, I love the Jackal. All right. Let's get that Jackal on right now. He's uh, the pride of Northern Ireland. It's Carl Frampton. He'll be back this weekend on ESPN+. Plus. He's about to tell you. All about it. Shout out to Evan Korn for making this happen, by the way. He knows how we get down that that top cooperator over there at top rank. Uh, it's Carl Frampton time right now. Enjoy. Fired up to welcome in one of our favorites on this podcast, Belfast's own the great Carl the Jackal Frampton. Carl, a, a long time coming to talk to a quality bloke like yourself. We got so many Irish fans on this pod that are excited to hear your voice. How's everything going in Vegas, brother? It's going good. I've been out here uh, two weeks now. Um, I love Vegas. Like I, I love everything about it. Um, for me, Las Vegas is, as a city, is probably the fight capital of of the world. Um, there's been some some huge fights here and some huge huge fighters who have fought here. I've looked. I've been lucky enough to do it before, but I'm looking forward to this one. I can't wait to get going again. We've been fired up and waiting for your return. It'll finally come. Saturday, November 30th in Las Vegas, part of that ESPN Plus doubleheader. Oscar Valdez making his debut at 130 in the main event. You in that co-main event against unbeaten Tyler McCrary. And there's been a, a lengthy timeout for you. And, of course, everybody knows about this freak yeah. hand accident. Can you take us through that? I, I'm, I'm sorry up front to hear that happened. It was wild. Can you take us through the events of what happened there? Yeah, so I'm just sitting on fight week, all the training's gone. It was like literally the wind down. I was, uh, yeah, I was getting ready to fight almost. And so five days out from the fight, I'm sitting in the hotel lobby, minding my own business. And someone's accidentally banged into this, uh, like seven foot ornamental pillar. Um, and it's, it's landed on my hand <laughs> and, uh, and broke my hand and, yeah, look, it's something I can laugh about now because it was a, it was a, like it was a bizarre incident. But you know what? What can I do about it now? It's just it's done. It's happened. I just have to deal with it. You know what do you think that if everything in life happens for a reason, Carl? If you believe that, then what do you think you yeah. took out of taking that extra long break and sort of enduring that that hardship? Well, the thing is, people people talk about you know. It, from the Warrington defeat um, to the fight with McCreary, it's almost going to be a year, 11 months anyway, so almost a year until, you know, I've stepped foot in the ring again. But I've had, I've had a training camp in the middle. I, you know, I didn't get the fight, but I done 
everything that I normally do in a training camp. I had 12 weeks of hard graft in the summer, um, but the fight never materialized. So I think that people are looking into my time out of the ring a little bit too much. Um, and although I have been out of the ring for a long time, it, you know, it hasn't been as if I've been just been sitting around on, on my ass doing nothing. I've been training hard. And uh, so I feel like, I feel like I can be a world champion. That's why I'm in this game. I don't want to. I'm not here to make up the numbers. I wanna. I wanna fight for a world title and win a world title, and I feel like I can do that. Absolutely. I mean, you've shown that so much. I mean, I can make the case right now at age 32 that you're right at the peak. You're right in that absolute prime of your career where you're physical growths have met perfectly with the wisdom and the experience that you've acquired. Yet when I read the headlines heading into getting a chance to talk to you, Carl, I've read you told other outlets that if you endured a second straight defeat in this fight coming off of that tough fight with Josh Warrington, that maybe you would consider hanging it up. Come clear. Tell me where you're at mentally entering this one. Yeah, well, I'm, mentally I'm in a very strong position. and So the question was asked to me, like, where do you go? If you don't win this fight, first and foremost, I'm not focused on, I'm not even thinking about losing this fight. I feel like um, the way I've been performing in the gym that I'm going to win this fight, I'm going to win it convincingly and do it in style. But my ambitions and my goals are to become a world champion again. If I can't beat Taylor McCreary, then realistically, that's out the window, them dreams and goals. So if I can't, you know, meet them dreams and goals. I don't want to be in this game anymore, but I want, I know that I will beat Taylor McCreary. I know that I'll do it instead. And I'm very, very confident the way this camp has went and the way I've sparred that I can compete with the top guys in the, in the 126 or 130 pound division. Do you like having that extra edge added to it, almost that extra pressure that, like you said, if I can't beat this guy and get back into the title picture, then maybe it is the end? Absolutely. I uh, I feel like, you know, there's been pressure on my shoulders my whole career. Since, since I turned professional, people were expecting big things and expecting me to become a world champion after my pro debut. And um, that expectation brings a huge pressure on itself. But I've been able to deal with it and, for the most part anyway, and um, I feel like there'll be no difference in this fight with, with Taylor McCreary. I'm pretty sure I can, I'll can. i be able to handle the pressure um, and, and put in a performance that will make people realize that I've still got a lot left to give in this game. Take me back to December 2018, the fight with unbeaten Josh Warrington, considered a big upset in Manchester, unanimous decision. Uh, interesting fight. From your perspective, when you look back on it, what do you take from that loss? Well, what, the, what I took from it is that I I underestimated his punching power, and there's nothing that really suggests that he's a puncher. You look at his record, and and you know he's got six knockout wins, and I, I didn't believe that he could hurt me, um, and that was my own fault. I'll hold my hands up. I walked into a shot in the first round that hurt me. Uh, I was hurt again in the second round. Um, and going out for the fourth round, I remember feeling like I'd already done like 10 or 12 rounds. Like it was a physically hard fight, but um, I just couldn't, I couldn't employ the tactics that I wanted to because of the disastrous start. So I think that if I can, you know, get a few big fights under my belt again, get a few wins, 
I would love the Josh Warrington fight again. I, I feel like I could right or wrong. And um, if I change things and get things right and go into that fight, a little bit more aware of his punching power, it's a fight that I believe I can win. That was a title bout at featherweight, a division you've obviously held the championship in the past. Now you're going to 130. Take me through that decision-making. Yeah, well, so this this fight is at 128. Um, so it gives me the option of going to 120, back to 126 or up to 130. Um, whatever whatever kind of materializes after this fight. So I want to I want to fight for a title in my next fight, whether that's against a champion at 126 or a champion at 130. I don't I don't really mind, but ideally I would like to fight for a title in my third division and and fight one of the champions at 130. Wow, there's so much business. Really, arguably, at 26 and 30, there is so much business going on. How much did the idea of Leo Santa Cruz moving up to 30, if at all, factor into this decision-making, given the two classics you put on together previously? No, absolutely not. But to be honest, the fights with Leo Santa Cruz have been great fights. I won one, he won one. Both very close fights. Uh, I think both fights that excited as the fans that, that paid the watch, but um, I'm not following Leo Santa Cruz up to 130. In, in my heart of hearts, I don't believe that that fight will ever happen again. Um, and it's not for the want of trying. I, I've been trying to make that fight ever since the second fight happened. I've wanted the trilogy fight, but um, you know, don't blame me for it never happening. Maybe point a finger at Leo and his team because um, it's something that I've asked for. I've told them that I would travel I was happy to go to LA to fight him in the in the rubber match, but yeah, it hasn't come off. And to be honest, I don't think it ever will, which is a shame. But you know, I've got other options. I mean, that certainly is a shame. Those were such underrated classics. Uh, would you lament that if that never happened? If business in in politics and all that stuff that we get tired of as fans and journalists, and I'm sure as fighters, if that separates it, and your hunch is correct and you never settle the rivalry with Leo, will, will that be unfinished business in your mind? Will you lament that fact? I think so. I think it'll be something that will annoy me. Um, but, you know, it's something I've, I've tried. So I, I know that I've tried to make that fight happen. I've done everything I can and everything in my power to, to get that fight. So I think, what, what more can I do? I think if the fight doesn't happen, it should probably... The fault should probably fall to Leo and his team, and 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 maybe they should they should feel a little bit, you know, like yeah, it was their fault. And that's that's how I feel. I, I it, it may annoy me twenty, thirty years time that the rubber match was never settled, but um, I know that I've tried. When you look back at those two, just to really just take a moment and celebrate how great they were, both majority decisions, both legitimate fight of the year contenders, such a mix of. You know, boxing with with letting your hands go and the drama and the crowds were on fire. What do you love most about about that when you find that dance partner that it just works so perfect on yeah. that level? I love to be involved in fights like that. I love to be involved in fights that people talk about and and will remember for a long time. I hope and you know, boxing's one thing. I love the I love the fight and I love to be involved in these sort of fights. But I love the fact that the people that have traveled out to New York and to Vegas to watch these two fights, like, you know, we're, we're making memories for these people. These are things that they'll bring to the grave. They'll remember the night they were in the Barclays when I beat them. They'll remember the night in Las Vegas when, when Leo beat me. And, but, you know, it's, 
I, I take a lot of I I like that and I like I like to think about that that, that we're making memories that people remember for the rest of their days. Is it easier to accept a loss like you had to in the rematch? Like I mentioned, majority decision could have gone either way. Is it easier to accept when you know that sort of everybody wins on a night like that? Um, it probably is. I think that I I will be honest and say that I lost a fight and I, I've never once come out. There was a few people thought that I may have a you know of edge a decision. I don't think I did. I think Leo won the fight for and square. Um, although it was close. And the exact, I feel the exact same about the first fight. I feel like it was a close fight, but I feel like I won it fair and square. Um, but when they're good fights that people remember and talk about fondly, I think that that makes, that makes the defeat a little bit more easy. Now, Carl, you mentioned that there's been pressure on you from the beginning to be something big. You're, there's a love for you in Belfast and in the surrounding areas that's that you can even feel it from this side of the pond. I mean, from um, Van Morrison to Fit Finley, where do you sort of fit in on the celebrity scale over there? Because it seems to me, especially in the buildup to that quick fight, which people have been talking about for like three years in advance, that, I mean, you're you're the chosen one. You're, you're the one they love on that side. Uh, what is that like? Yeah. But I'm very, I'm very, I'm honored for the support and the fan base that I get, and I get support from across the whole island of Ireland and mainland UK as well. But it's something that I, you know, I, I'm very, very grateful for. But that that word, the celebrity word, is is a strange word. I don't really like it. I'm just, I'm a boxer who's doing my own thing. I feel like I'm trying to just remain like a normal guy. If if I was working a nine to five on a building site somewhere. I feel like I would still be saying the exact same things that I'm saying now and behaving like I'm behaving. So people seem to like that and they come out and support me, but it's something that I'll be forever grateful for. The, the support that I've had is I, I couldn't have imagined it when I, when I turned professional at the start. When you look back at that quick fight, which you won in 2016 by split decision, and that felt like an international event, even watching it here in the States, it just felt so damn big. What was that actually like walking to the ring that night and, and, and feeling that? I think that was probably the best atmosphere I've been involved in. The ring walk was insane. It was, you know, it was a, it was a fight. Me and the Craig fight was talked about for such a long time. And I was chasing him ever since he was British champion. I wanted to have that fight. And we finally fought in a unification fight. But um it wasn't. It wasn't a great fight to watch. It turned into a bit of a dump square. But it was a fight that, although it was a split decision, I feel like I never really got out of second gear, and I feel like I won the fight pretty comfortably. Um, I'm not sure what one of the judges was fight he was watching when he gave it to Quig, but um, that that atmosphere was easily the best atmosphere I've ever been in. You know, given that. Quig has subsequently fought and lost to Oscar Valdez, who headlines the card that you're going to be returning on Saturday, November 30th. Given that your fight with him after that big buildup, it, it won from the idea of, like we just mentioned, a giant event. But, you know, you let it out of the bag. Didn't really sizzle like we thought maybe it could. Do you see the two of you, you and Quig, seeing each other again down the road? I doubt it. I very much doubt it. I think he's, uh, well, he's, he's moved up to 139. There was talk of him fighting John O'Carroll. Um, but I don't think that fight is happening anymore. But the Quig fight, it, it doesn't feel like, I feel like I won that fight fair and square. I've moved on. 
I'm still looking to fight for world titles at this point in my career. Scott really doesn't have anything that I need or want at this point in time. So um, I very much doubt that a, a fight between me and him will happen. But stranger things have happened. If it, if it gets offered to me and it makes sense, then I'd be happy to fight him again. Well, you being matched on the same card with Oscar Valdez, considering you were both featherweight stars who at least have the option now in moving up to 130 to explore a new division, this seems to be old school promoting and matchmaking. You put two guys featured on the same card that are big names with the hopes that you get everybody excited for them to meet. Do you feel like you're on that same road? Yeah, potentially. I Look, I, I, I met Oscar for the first time uh, a couple of days ago. Really nice guy. Um, we wished each other well in our fights and um, – my ideal preference would be to fight a champion in my next fight, whether that's at 126 or 130. Um, I don't, I don't really mind. But um, if that can't happen, if I can't fight a champion, I think the fight with Oscar Valdez makes a lot of sense. It's, um, it's a fight that was talked about when we were both at 126. It's a fight that would excite people. It would excite me. Um, yeah, so. If I can't fight a champion, I, I, of course, I'd be happy to fight Oscar Valdez and, and share the ring with a great champion. This would this would fire up a lot of people. Obviously, Miguel Burchell is hanging around at 130. Andrew Cancio's got a fight this weekend. Leo's back coming up. I mean, there's a lot of action around these divisions. Um, you've got to, like anyone else, always be kind of looking to the future in terms of super fights. And look, there's names like... Lomachenko yeah. and Gervonta Davis not too far away from you in weight. Do you got one guy that you sort of look like, man, I'd love to cross paths business-wise with him before I hang it up? Well, there's, there's, there's so many big names in around these divisions, but I think that the fight that people are talking about most for me at the minute is the Jamel Haring fight. And I, I'm not overlooking Taylor McCreary, so I've seen a few things of, and a few statements from him thinking that I'm overlooking him and looking to Jamel Hearn. I'm not in the slightest. I'm fully focused on him, but you do need to have a, an eye to the future. And, and the Jamel Hearn fight on the East Coast of America and giving me a chance to win a title in my third division, I think that was, that fight is very, very appealing to me. And I think it's the one that's, that makes, it's probably the easiest to make for me um, to, be, to become a champion again. So that fight really excites me. Uh, who's the real jackal? You or Guillermo Rigondeaux, El Chacal, my man. You're the real jackal, right? What's this guy doing? I'm the real jackal. I've been called the jackal since it was 15 years old, so I'm the number one. All right, we don't have to. We don't have to book that fight to settle it. I know he's going down to 118. His days are numbered, but I uh, yeah. just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, Carl Frampton, fired up to see you back in the ring. Great to hear the hand has recovered. Saturday, November 30th, Las Vegas, ESPN Plus doubleheader. You got to check out Oscar Valdez against Andres Gutierrez, and you will step in there against unbeaten Tyler McCrary. Such big business to come for you. Great chatting with you, man. Wish you well. Thanks, Brian. All the best. And we're back. Special thanks to Carl Frampton. Luke, that was a moment for me. You know how awesome this guy is. That was fantastic. It lived up to expectations. Um, big thing I'm going to take out of it, though, is he was straight up. The Leo fights were freaking classic, but he doesn't think he's ever getting the third one, and it's PBC's fault. Your thoughts, Rafe? Do we deserve that? 
Is it necessary? Brian, I, I think you're kind of making a mockery out of the sport of boxing. That's all I can say, Brian. You're, you're making a mockery, a little bit of a mockery. A wee bit of a mockery. A wee bit of a mockery, Brian. Um, uh, look, I, I never expected the third Leo fight to happen. Uh, maybe a couple of years ago, I would or I, how, I don't even remember. Was it... Time is so weird, man. Time, it, I, it doesn't make any kind of sense. I don't know Time when. Time waits uh, for no one, Rafe, and it won't well, wait for you, dude. You when know. was their rematch? Uh, 27. 17? Maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah. You could tell me it was like 16 and I would it believe early... it, but it can't be that long ago. I don't know. They were great. Anyway. Dude, they were really good fights. Like, they were awesome really fights. Awesome fights. Awesome. I mean, that perform- Frampton's performance in the first one, Leo's performance in the second one, they, they're the, the best performances, respectively, of each guy's and career. I, I love that Carl said in the interview, like, I have no problem. Leo did beat me in the second one. Majority decision or not, he beat me. Like, I love that sort of honesty. And, and Leo did make adjustments that we didn't necessarily knew he had in him. So that's great. I hope we get a third one there, Rafe. But the even bigger headline that came out of there was, did I cut you off? Were you? Did you have more words on that? No, I just, I, I, I didn't really expect a third Leo fight. Leo seems to be moving on in whatever direction he's moving. And well, he's I don't... moving to 130 where Carl's going. So, you know. Different sides of the street. There's, they both have lots of options true, there. True. It just seems say... like I, they have. You know what? I'm not even. That, I guess the reason I, I, I I'm not mad about it is because it is a new division. There's lots of fighters for them to face in both of their cases, and there's a lot of good fights to be made. So as long as they both go on and fight good competition and get the most out of their careers, I'm happy with that. Like, good fights. Give me good fights. I, I'll try not to complain. So Frampton did say this will be this fight. This week going to be at 128 in a catchweight, and it gives him that option to go up or down. Um, but he did say something that was interesting, Rafe. Like, you would guess at 32, he's kind of in his prime, maybe, you know, pushing toward the end of his prime, but in his prime, and he says, if I lose here this weekend, like, I really would have to consider finishing. Well, that makes sense. I mean, uh, a four, what is it, two-time champion, uh, two-weight champion, uh, losing to, not Tyler McCreary isn't bad. He's, what, he's an undefeated prospect, right? Yes. But he struggled in his last two fights. Um, he's not necessarily tabbed for greatness, and and clearly the the impl- the the idea here is that uh, he's not going to beat Carl Frampton on Saturday, although he could. Um, so if Frampton lost that kind of fight, then yeah, it would mean uh, that he. I, I kind of understand where he's coming from. He goes, where does the career go from there? He's talking about a total rebuild then, and also. It seemed I don't know what the deal is with Frampton and wait what what weight class he should be at because I thought he seemed undersized to me at 126 like he's a better boxer I still think he's a better boxer than Josh Warrington but Warrington's youth energy work rate surprise his power surprised Frampton he said that a bunch of times in the first round I think that the basically he, he had trouble dealing with the size of uh, of some of the bigger 126 guys at 130. You see how tall Jamel Herring? They're talking about a potential Jamel Herring Carl Frampton fight sometime yeah, next Frampton year. Said he wants it. I look. I believe him because he wants an, a third. He wants another world title. And in a lot of ways, you look at Herring and you say, "All right, well, he's been beaten before. He's." A, a good fighter, but you don't think of him as necessarily like uh, the. He's not this. You look at him, he's like, okay, I'd rather fight him than Burchell, right? I think a lot of fighters at, at 126 and 130 would think that. But Herring is really tall, long, moved down from 135, where he was a contender, and 
that's I mean that's a difficult matchup for Carl Frampton, who looks like he's uh, and and plus he's got to get through somebody else first. Uh, Carl Frampton, how tall is he? Five five. I don't know. I have bad internet, but yeah, it can't be taller than Tom Cruise, right? He's he's rarely taller than his opponent in the ring. Um, and think I think Damon that he's would play him in the movie of his life. What's that? You think Matt Damon would play him in the movie of his life? I don't think Matt Damon is cut enough. And I think Chris Algieri would play him, right? It has to. I mean, they he's too tall, but they 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 look uh, alike in Great some call. circumstances. Great call. Yes. Uh, he did also say. Now, here's the deal, Rafe. He's being featured on the same card Saturday as freaking Oscar Valdez. They're both moving up to 30 at the same time. Are you kidding me? If ESPN gave us Frampton Valdez, I would I'd watch that in my underpants, Rafe. That'd be an awesome fight. Awesome fight. Right? I, I, I mean, I'm a, I'd crack a cold one. Getting hit behind the ear can make you drunk all night long. Yeah. Equilibrium. Yeah, I'd be like, punch me right behind the ear. I want to enjoy this fight, Rafe. The other thing you got to remember, Brian, Frampton at his best was a extremely athletic fighter. I mean, I don't want to dip too much into the racial stereotyping, but the man didn't... He, he was quicker than most white fighters, right? He could counter, he could make you miss and hit you with some nasty stuff. And he was slick. He, 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 and for a guy from Belfast, you're like, where'd this come from? Where, who did, where this dude, how did this guy grow out there? Um, and at, but those fighters, the aging curve can catch up to them, right? When, when those reflexes slow down and he really was a great reflex fighter could still be. But he's got the best he's Carl got Frampton, if he has lost a, a, a half step and he's going up against guys who are probably a lot bigger than him naturally, that could be an ugly, uh, a ugly combination. I think if he finds that out, I think that's also why he would uh, entertain the idea of, of uh, finishing. Well, Rafe, he'll never half step because he's not a half stepper. But like you, he drinks a lot of soda, so they call him Dr. Pepper. Good. I'm glad he does. I'm glad someone else is on the liquid crack. Someone got the yeah. score right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, freaking freaking Frampton Valdez would be ma- it'd be magic. It'd be. Oh. I think that's magic, Brian. Um, can you talk to me about uh, Irish people here? I don't. I, I don't think this is racist or anything. But um, are Northern Irish Ireland people real Irish people? Well, how does that work? Like, do they like what's the deal there? Like can I, can Carl Frampton from Northern from Belfast say I'm Irish or is it no you're Northern Irish like what that what does that mean like why don't you you grew up around these people Rafe yeah so I mean Northern Ireland is still a part of uh, the United Kingdom um, right. and it is so it's so it's they're technically British citizens or something like that I don't even like I don't even know how the different Commonwealth countries Scotland and uh, it just gets it gets like, really we say weird shout out to the gypsy crew shout out to the Irish crew should we also be shouting out to the northern the Irish crew? crew like what are we with the Belfast well, so crew? I mean they're on the I, I they're on Ireland the island but they are not um Ireland the country do they hate and each other or is this just like a political that, well they, they I mean historically you know that's the troubles they hate the British they, they hate the the, the the Protestants you know the the Catholic Irish in Northern Ireland uh, and the IR, you know, Irish Republican Army fought for years, you know, with with car bombs and, you know, all, like outright warfare uh, to supposedly, you know, t- t- to get freedom or a broker a deal, which was eventually cut. But it is and that those tensions are, are I think, are, are certainly not what they were when it, when people were, were dying at an alarming rate. But that history is there. Um, and. I don't, I don't, the, the Irishman I was around at McSorley's did not talk about Belfast and, and Northern Ireland like it was part of their country. 
Um, hmm. They didn't talk about it like they were British either, but they didn't talk about it like, you know, they, they weren't like talking about it like the people from County Cork or County Kilkenny or any of those places. Do you think Kilkenny? That, that, all right. Uh, Rafe, um, uh, we got to we got to roll. We got to we got to wrap this up. But, not, uh, you don't want more of my clumsy breakdowns no, of, uh, of, of history and, and Ireland. Woke. You're woking me up. Uh, we didn't mention you. See, so you said tension. And I'm like, Masakawa? Floyd? And I'm like, oh, yeah, there was that really big headline where Floyd tweeted Floyd IG that he's coming back next year. And then there's pictures of him and Dana that he put out there and says they're going to work together. And then suddenly UFC, Dana, everyone's regramming it. Um, what does this really mean, Rafe? He'll be 43 in February. Uh, is there any? Here's basically my question. Is there any hope for Maypack 2 or is this all poor man's Maymac? BS tension Nasakawa. Where are we going? Where where where? I, it's Floyd. It could mean anything. It could just be a sponsored content ploy. It could be just him grabbing a, attention during Wilder's fight week. But it he's could promoting, be. He's the promoter of record in Wilder's Stop. fight week. Promoter. Yeah, you said it. Promoter of record. Everyone who follows boxing knows that means absolutely nothing. He is the uh, front promoter for the company sham? running the business. Are you saying sham? I said front. It's sham not a sham. Wow. It's solid business. Look, if you if Al wants to pay me, if I can get a promoter's license and someone wants to throw money at me to put my name on a piece of paper, I'll do it too. Make um, that money, player. Uh, right? 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 I mean, seriously. At least some of the, Floyd got the score right. Yeah, um, he did. Well, yeah. So, um... He could, it could just be a tension play. It could be a, a weird sponsorship deal. It could just be some weird money grab. It could be tension Nasakawa again. It could be Khabib. It could be Manny. It could, it, the range is literally everything. I mean, I don't think he's going to be fighting. Um, he's not going to be fighting Errol Spence or Errol Spence's seatbelt. Uh, he is not going to be hey, fighting Sean Porter. Pictures? Not fighting any prime Walter Waits. But – the 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 uh the pictures of of Spence when he got arrested that came out. Who cares? It's just a mugshot. Oh God! All right. Yeah, just, what do you mean? What do you mean? Why? Who cares? Right? So, well, I just mean like I don't I I don't I don't like I like making fun of a guy for not wearing a seatbelt and crashing his car. That's not. But I don't funny. like I don't like I don't like picking on a man's mugshot. All right. All right. I, I don't know. I have a code. It doesn't make any sense, Brian. But that is my code. Okay, I'll take your code. Uh. All right, that's it. Uh, that's it. I have right. a load also, Brian. Do you want to take that? <laughs> I will not take that. I cannot do any more Floyd talk. I cannot do it. Talk right. about this man all day, Brian. No, all day. No, uh, no. It's, it's, you want to talk about the punches of the decade? Floyd was no, in that. No, I don't. It's naughty. So I stroke it. I pet it. I massage it. Yay, <laughs> I love my little naughty pet. You're naughty. You're naughty, right? <laughs> Somebody call the meat wagon, Brian. Uh, it's time to play Do You Care. Can we get you out of here on this Thursday, on this holiday week, on Thanksgiving with Do You Care? Are you ready? I am. I was born ready. It starts tonight, Rafe, in Malta. Malta. What the hell's Malta? Is that an island next to Cyprus? That sounds about right. It's out there. It's, I think, Mediterranean. St. Um, Julian's Malta. It's a title fight, Rafe. Hannah Rankin versus Patricia Bergholt for the vacant WBC women's interim junior middleweight title it's fighting for the uh, interim this friday right who gives a shit about <laughs> interim. i mean right on bob um yeah i guess I'm, i i i say what well, who gives a crap you're gonna find gives... 
Here's your your options. Who did, who did it? Hannah Rankin lost to somebody I've heard. Did yeah, she lose to Clarissa, Clarissa Shields or Clarissa or Breakus? Um, so, fighting Breakus is back. Uh, so are you gonna? Would you rather go out for Valley I'd New Year? I'd rather go out with Breakus. Go out for Valley New Year in downtown Detroit, or find a stream for Malta for Hannah Rankin. Why not both, Brian? Why not? I have a mobile device. Uh, Also tonight in Wyndham, New Hampshire, no TV, but that good-looking heavyweight main events prospect, Cassius Chaney, is back, right? In a main event, eight rounds against Nick Jones. Rafe, he's fun to watch, man. He's he's had those two crazy semi-viral knockouts where he's knocking guys out of the ring in, in his last two fights. They've been high on him. They're building him slowly. I listened. Let me. I want to give a shout out, of course, to the Irish crew, of course, to Omaha, Nebraska, but also to Boxrec Gray, whose podcast I listened to this week, and he had a long ass conversation with the promoter of this New Hampshire show, what? and they sold the hell out of it. It was fun. <laughs> Juan Carlos Abreu on that card as well. Yeah. All right. Not uh, Abreu though. I always think Abreu. Nah, it's the other guy. It's... I like Abre. I love me some Abreu. Yeah, Abreu. The dude, so Abregu was the dude that uh, Saddam Ali sent to hell on the Bihar. Yes, yes, and that Bihar. once fought uh, Timothy Bradley. Yes. Who do, he's the guy who who uh, who exposed Mr. Delorme, though. That yes. is his big moment. Yes, good call. All right, Saturday on the Plus from Las Vegas, Rafe. It is that, that good-looking card here. Shout-out to ESPN, man. This is a good-looking card. Main event, Oscar Valdez moves up to 130, 10-round bout against Andres Gutierrez. Do you care? Hell yes, I care. I lo- I'm in on this card. I think that they're these are not not as much the who's a, who is this the this is the uh, this is the the Valdez fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a. I want to see. Look, I, Valdez is always fun. Always fun. Even at one thirty, so he's, he's gonna, gonna be awesome. All right, right. He's gonna. I don't know anything about Andres Gutierrez. You? Uh, not a damn thing. All right. But, co-main event is the Jackal. By the way, he says he's the re- original Jackal, not Rigo. Uh, against he goes like 16 years older than him. How's that possible? Against the aforementioned Tyler McCrary, uh, he said he might finish if he finishes. Rafe, uh, if he finishes on the wrong end, he's going to get a win here. Correct? We need him too. We need him in our lives. I would like that. Look, I want with I I, I like I like Carl Fry. I like his podcast too. Shout out to Jack and Chris Lloyd and that whole. Yeah, the, they get the top blokes on there. They have though. they've had Barker on three times. You should they've have had Martin that Murray interview. on talking about the GHB. I mean, that, I I, am, I subscribe to that service, Brian. Yeah, you should have been on that interview with him, but you know, you Jack. You didn't. I didn't think I even got a heads up on this you one. It's okay. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna show up, so I don't blame you. I um, but yes, I did. <laughs> uh, Rafe, yeah, he's gonna win. He needs to win. Uh, this- I, look, I, I'm concerned. I think this is a little bit of trap fight. Um, I think there's a little bit of trap fight potential here. One twenty-eight, one thirty. I, I just don't think of Frampton as a junior lightweight. I, that scares me a little bit. I hope, I hope he looks better. I hope I'm wrong because I think, I think that he's underrated in this era. I don't think that people really understand how good. The best versions of Carl, I would pick that version of Carl Frampton over a lot of really, really top operators, elite fighters, and um, and I would it would it would bum me out because uh, you know you know how this stuff goes you 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 lose a fight you get upset late in your career uh, trying to go up a little high in weight and all of a sudden people are like oh the revi- the revisionists step in yeah. and they start saying he was always garbage he was never any good yeah he wasn't he ain't uh title fight on this card carlos adamas patrick Teixeira, 
12 rounds for the vacant WBO interim. What the hell with these freaking drones, man? I hate this ish, Rafe. Um, but Adamas, if I, he's all right. This, this to share this guy that uh, that Curtis. Uh, I, I will never be able to 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 get the image of Curtis Stevens sending him to hell yeah, in the first did. round out of my head. So I, I'm I'm favoring it. I, I favor the. Uh, the the Russian Adamas is more to my liking you know, in this one, Brian. Curtis Stevens hasn't been with main events for a while. I did not know that until I asked. Who hasn't? The the Curtis Stevens. Oh, Curtis did no, 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 no. He yeah, he's a, he was PBC and uh, now he's uh, he's out. I mean, he may still. I don't know what he's doing. He obviously he lost to Lucky Boy Omatoso earlier this year and did not look good at 154 pounds. But Showtime Stevens, man, he's a fun fun guy, fun fighter. Uh, Are you serious? Tishera is 4-0 since that knockout loss to Curtis Stevens. So there you go. I beat Nathaniel Gallimore. He beat uh, Lozano. He beat a couple guys. All right. That's that's not a bad fight. Uh, anything else on this undercard that we care about? No, no. We don't. Oh, come on. You got Jared Anderson down there somewhere, right? Uh, I got bad internet, Rafe. I'm trying. I'm trying here. That Jared Anderson from, from right over here in Toledo, Ohio, about an hour south of me. That man, that's the, that like, Respect to Cassius Cheney, but I think Jared Anderson is the is the heavyweight prospect of the weekend. It's only his second fight, but keep an eye out. All right, you um, you gonna get takeout for Thanksgiving, Riff? What are you gonna eat? I, t- I told you I'm going to these oh, other people's houses. I'm eat whatever relative. turkey they make or whatever right, they do. Right. I don't. I mean, I'm gonna drink Verner's ginger ale and and all kinds of Michigan products. Right, I'm trying to stall as this internet venison. Is. There's a lot of hunters in your area. What is with this freaking internet, Rafe? I almost got to pause the show to wait. Are you with me? Are you with me, Brian? I mean, mean, what is going on here? There's a live show here, Rafe. This is supposed to be a live show. All right? Supposed to be up cooking breakfast by then anyway. Was Daddy love potcoin? That kid think that Daddy has some potcoin because Daddy endorses the use of marijuana? Better not, Daddy. Um, uh, let's roll Brian, on here. While you, I was while, while we're vamping. You know what? I wanted to dip into some news. Remember last week or whenever between the last time we spoke before I jacked. There's been a little discussion about Sergei Kovalev and his little Russian excuse a thon. What were you? Were you offended? Did that? Did that? Did that hit your your boxing? anti-feel spot yeah well the fact that there was that word that he used that was basically like ignoramuses yeah if you basically if you bet on me you're an asshole which is like dude come on and he actually fought really well again he stuck to boxing didn't try to bang but I look fought. you're an ignoramus brian admit it i guess i have to admit it i love that canelo sent him to hell and was like and just you know ripped him for that too but yeah it's just lame dude it's just, and then he comes out afterwards says it's, what was like a translation issue no I don't well that's the, i mean that's I, one thing i would like i mean and obviously i could ask someone i could find someone who could who could give me their gist of of what kovalev said in that but it was just funny that really all i know is that i saw a video of Sergei Kovalev sitting in a car with words coming out of his mouth that I didn't understand and saw words written on top of that in English for things that he was supposedly saying. And I, I, I kind of, I, I said, I, I trust it. It probably was right. Cause no one has come out and said that, no, 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 that was way wrong. But I'm pretty sure that all of us in the American boxing community have no real clue. Like this could all be fake. I just think it's funny. I think it is real. I'm not trying to say it is fake. I just think it's funny that we're all like, yeah, yeah I'm sure he said that because it does sound like some crap that Sergey Kovalev <laughs> would say. On the same, on the other hand, 
Every fighter comes up with excuses yeah, when they, they lose. Yeah, they all do. They even they they, they usually preface it with no excuses, but, but yeah, like yeah, right. everybody Sergei got an excuse, Sergei. and it's just we don't like this man. And so when he does it, we hold it against him worse than whoever else. Uh, I don't care. Like like you would have preferred much better if he came out and said this. Hi, my boxing fans. Uh, yeah. Thank that time he support. owned it, you know? He, he really, uh, my boxing friends. I love Kenneth Stoda. <laughs> ah, all right, we got to get out of here. Birmingham, England on Saturday. ESPN Plus, Rafe. It's not listed as the main event, but this is the fight you care about. Zolane Tete will defend his WBO bantamweight belt against John Riel Casamero. He's a Pinoy, right? Yes, he is, and he is a damn good one. And you know what he's going to hear at the end? If I catch you with those... I'll sing a lullaby song for you. I hope that Casimero doesn't hear the lullaby song in this fight. (laughs) That right hand lands. Uh, Do you know about this main event? Lerone Richards versus Lennox Clark for the Commonwealth and vacant British super middleweight titles? No one cares about that. Good Lord. That's the main event. Ryan Kelly's in the cold. Get on the main event, man. Who's Ryan Kelly? That's not the good looking dude that we like, right? That's Josh Kelly. Josh Kelly. Okay, Ryan Kelly against Hamza Shiraz. Riff, this show sucks. We were we were doing Come so on. good. The, the, the Tete Casimero fight. That's all you need. Plus, you love random top blokes beating the hell. You liked it when DeZone was paying your ass to call it. Oh, wow, wow. Saturday in Monte Carlo. In DeZone, a service I have. We have a title fight in the main event. Radzab Butayev versus Alexander Bisputin for the vacant WBA regular welterweight title a lot of people on twitter though a lot of the hardcore is blowing up over this fight are you i don't get it have you i've watched best putin fight like three four times it was it's never been a fun experience do you like this guy no he couldn't even beat the other ray robinson i mean come on rafe no best putin also draw drew with him oh was it the other guy who did it was Josh Kelly and the Mean Machine. He, mean he, machine. His draw with Ray Robinson right, led him straight into a shot at Bud Crawford. They're all Bob's Russians in the end. Uh, I'm not Russian to watch this fight, but I, I don't know. Dude, my I don't Russian, know. any of my Russians, my Lithuanians, they're going to win. Dude, they're I better than these guys. I'm telling you. I don't know. Mr. Kisser. So I'm not a hardcore, right? I don't know Red Seb Butayev. I'm sorry, but people on Twitter were blowing up over this. So uh, Is maybe he a, they, they were both good amateurs, and nothing nothing makes you a hardcore like following the amateurs. Like if you have seen a lot of Hassan Boy Dusmatov Olympics fights, and you got excited over his professional debut a couple weeks ago, congratulations! You are the you are you are the boxing hardcore. You are the boxing hardcore. You're not regular fans. Uh, title fight in the co-main event. Cecilia Brakis is back defending all four women's welterweight titles against Victoria Bustos. Ten rounds. You don't care, right? The first lady of boxing? I love me some Cecilia. I mean, the, a, a history-making fighter, Brian. The first woman to headline an HBO championship boxing card. And send HBO Championship Boxing to hell. (laughs) And then talk about fighting MMA afterwards. It was an amazing, it was a legendary night. Yes, yes, it's true. Uh, So this undercard has crap I care about. Chinese heavyweight? No, no, not not the other guy. Not Taishan. Not Taishan Dong. Zhang Zilei is back against Andre Rudenko. Ten rounds. Um, I'm still on the Zhang train, even though he does not have it. Right, I'm still on it. He's on to be Zhang, 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 Zhang. Um, Huey Fury on this card. Ten rounds heavyweights against Pavel Sauer. Rafe, don't you dare be sour. <laughs> I mean, Huey's going to bring that sweet science and put it all over that sour. 
Uh, no TV Saturday, Barcelona, Spain. Kerman Leharaga, main event, Woo! eight round welterweights versus TBA. Who you got, Rave? Man, as long as TBA is not David Avenesian, I'm feeling pretty good about Kerman getting back on the uh, the winning side of the ledger. Uh, you know, I, I, he's not very good, but I'm I'm not giving up. I still I I still will uh, will dine with uh, the Leharaga. Uh, finally, Saturday, no TV from Narva, Estonia. Robert Hellenius is back. Eight rounds heavyweights against Matuas Roberto Osorio. Bobby Hellenius. Are there any crazy, uh, weird Baltic opponents on that undercard? Like, are you looking at the box rec page for uh, this, where you can see no, the, no, no, no. where you can see the you the records? Want, because sometimes you get those Latvian bros who are like zero and seventy seven. You think my computer can just go in the direction that it wants, Rafe? It's no. true. Your computer at this at its level of operation, you do not want to introduce it to box rec because, like, opening box rec, you're, whatever you're, you could have the newest. MacBook Pro or whatever the hell it's called, your 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 computer is wheezing as soon as BoxRec opens. Same goes for Boxing Scene. Very true, very true on that. One uh, of the greatest sites on the internet. To close, I just got a, a PR email that David Benavidez, the super middleweight champ, you know, he wants Caleb, he wants Callum, he also wants Canelo. Right? I was, you know what? I'm glad that you got that. I'm glad you brought that up because yesterday, just yesterday, I was thinking, you know how Canelo likes to. He likes to make a splash with his announcements. He likes to he likes to surprise you. He's he likes to you know he likes misdirection. He thinks oh you know I know you want this triple G fight, but I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you something you didn't even know you wanted that you actually want more. Benavidez might end, and here's the other reason why I could see him doing that. Get that man now. Do what Floyd did to him. Get Benavidez when he's young and experienced, when he when Canelo would have a better chance of outboxing him. If he lets Benavidez grow into it, get a little bit more man strength, grow into 175 and become if he does become a star on his own, then maybe it's a bigger fight, but might be a much harder fight for Canelo. Get he, he, I could see him doing the Floyd going after the young talent before he gets to that level where he poses as great a threat. Uh, oh, man. Man. And I would love that fight. I, I don't care. It. It's still an interesting it. fight because Benavidez is an aggressive, hard-hitting dude, and Canelo would have to deal with a lot of incoming fire. And, folks, it's magnificent. Yeah. Thank you, Richard Dwyer. Hey, shout-out to Richard Dwyer. Happy Thanksgiving to him and his over there in Mountain View the Dwyer household of happy Thanksgiving. You give us so much. Thank, thank you. you to Carl Frampton for being on the show. Thank you, Rafe Bugs. Okay, you know what I'm thankful for? Your Irish ass, Rafe. English, German. What What are you? What are you? I'm Slovak too, man. You got to right. you, Your damn put... Slovak uh, is showing. Um, Rafe, I'm thankful for you because uh, look at you and I still effing around doing this pod. People still care. You know? It's most... It's almost five years, Brian. It's great. It's great. Okay? It's great. I am going to get you a way better gift for Christmas than you give me. I promise you. Uh, Well, I'll give you nothing, Rafe. Nothing. But I hope you enjoy Thanksgiving. I hope you uh, sample one of those four Fs tomorrow. And uh, hopefully everybody else out there has a safe journey, travel wherever you're going. Listen to this show. You, well, if you got to this point, you did listen to this show. Follow us at State of Combat. If you care, folks, 
Big time wrestling interviews this week. I got John Moxley, who used to be Dean Ambrose, talking about leaving WWE. I got Kane. You know that big red bastard? Does he talk? He's a demon. He can't talk. <laughs> yeah, he's the mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, and he's a published author like you, Rafe. So, yeah, he talks. Got to sell that thing, right? Come on. So, check cool. that out. And uh, next week, Rafe, I, and I'll be I back. respect all authors. We'll be back next <laughs> Everybody. week to get you fired up for the, the, the duel and the dunes or whatever they're calling that Saudi experiment. Ruiz, Joshua, too. And obviously that fight is massive. We can't wait to get inside of the zone and check that out. Hey, also Showtime next week. We're back, baby. Jamal Charlo. Yeah. Get me on a microphone. Let's do it, Rafe. Yeah. Well, Dennis Hogan, you know who that, you know, you know what that means? Who's going to be back in the States? The Scorpion. Scorpion style, Glenn Rushton. Are you serious? Yeah, man. I, I mean, he trained, he trained Hogan for the for the Mungia fight. I'm All assuming. Right, I need to get an exclusive with him. I need to do this at the weigh-in. Okay, I'm I'm in on this. I'm gonna I'm gonna record it with my phone, corner him, and just have him physically show me the uh, push and pull method and uh, the rhythm method. Yeah. All right. I would hey, like that's... to shake your hand, Mr. Yeah, Rushton. Well, yeah. Well, hey, that's it uh, for Rafe Bugs. It's your boy BC. Rafe, you want to give the uh, a, a closing message to our listeners? Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Shout out to the Campbell crew who makes all of this possible. We out. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, one love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.